We'll start this week with Tuesday night's cup exit to Bristol Rovers. Pete Marshall called it a terrible first half. Keith thought individual mistakes in that half helped them score, but thought Rowe was far more of a threat than Tracy and Nevitt than CBR. Ben Benson thinks it's never a good idea to give them goals, and we made bad choices when approaching their box, something Gwesty Rodender agrees with. No team can give teams a helping hand and expect to win. James says we've been inconsistent in games all season and that first half proved it. We only scored as they sat back. It's been a poor run of form recently. That leads us on to Saturday's 3-3 draw with Atkinson Stanley. Henry Lewis said we played some lovely stuff, but again made it too stressful for ourselves. Matthew Shamwardine saw a great first half and abysmal second with no control whatsoever. Joe says mistakes cost us as they created little outside of that. We bossed the first half but never got going second. Andy O'Neill saw Cruz sit back and invite pressure in the second half again. Rob Murray said a defeat was nailed on in the second half when we got overwhelmed. But up stepped Nev with an unstoppable wonder strike. Paul Gregory thought the team just didn't get going in the second half and says Davis does need to take responsibility as that's part of being a goalkeeper. Neil says he's not making these mistakes on purpose, he's only human. But if we have any designs on promotion, that's a weak spot that needs addressing. Robert is one of many who focuses on Davis. Desperately need a new keeper, shocking performance. Paul Taylor wants to know why are we sticking with this keeper? Callum says he can't defend him anymore. It's the same mistakes week in, week out. What is he doing in training? Captain Britton would like to send him back to Liverpool and freshen up the department. Tim sees the other side. He's our number one and we need to lift him, not put the final nail in his coffin. Chris Thompson agreeing with this. Whether we fans like it or not, he's our number one. Supporting him is beneficial to everyone. Andy Priest argues that booing is never the answer. We take a chance with these young goalies. We need to realise how lucky we were with last season's. Joe Goddard asks if we'll get another Premier League loanee if we boo them. Get behind him and let Lee do what he needs to do. Bob argues that the biggest killer was changing to 4-4-2. We lost the extra man in midfield, had no attacking bite, and Rowe, Tracy and Offord were all playing out of position. Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Railway Men podcast. Uh, we've got two games to cover this week, the cup defeat to Bristol Rovers and the draw on Saturday with Accrington Stanley. Uh, to do that, my panel today are Mark Bertels. Hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. Trevor Griffiths. Hello, Trev. Hi, Stu. And Graham Miles. Hello, Graham. Hello, everyone. Right, we'll start then with Tuesday. Uh, I couldn't watch it. Anyone who wasn't one of the 3,127 in the ground won't have seen it. I haven't even seen the goals, which I find very frustrating in the day and age that we live in. Um, You three were all there. Uh, I'll start with the obvious. Was it a case of crew being a league below Bristol Rovers' level or did we just not turn up on the night? Mark, I'll start with you. Um... No, I wouldn't say that. I think um, we matched Bristol Rovers in every department bar finishing. Um, 
I thought, weirdly, at half-time, we found ourselves 3-0 down, and yet it didn't feel like we played that bad. And I stand, stand by that still today. We didn't play that bad. Unfortunately, we were um, we were guilty of conceding chances quite easily at, at the other end, and they were ruthless. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're going to go on to the goals individually, but the, the finishing was superb. So, no, we didn't look a level below um, generally, but in terms of sticking the ball in the net, yes, we did. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Overall play was fine. I was I spoke to Mark on the night. Sometimes it's the quality of striker that is the difference. And I think Marquez always scores against us, so that was a given. Yeah, and Anthony Evans came back as ex people that have played in red usually do and scored. So yeah, overall general play was good. Um we've got a bit early on Anthony Evans, uh, but since you mentioned him, Trevor, I'm desperate to know. Did he give us a, the muted goal celebration or did he give it the big one when he scored? I don't think he'd give it the big one. He went over to their supporters, but he didn't give it to any crew fans. Not like some of the um, lads yesterday, which you'll, we'll sure come on about. Um, let's go on to the goals then. Um, Graham, Mark said that was the difference between uh, the two clubs, was their finishing. Uh, what did you make of the, the goals that Bristol Rovers scored, especially those three in the first half? Yeah, I agree with where everything's been said already. I thought our play was equally matched them and just the quality of strikers was so much different. Their decision-making in the final third was just so much better than ours. And they weren't three goals better than us. They just took the chances. And then, Mark, you want a response after half-time? You know, you said 3-0. Not really much difference, just the finishing, but it was 3-0 at half-time. You want to come out Second half, make a good start. What happens? Own goal, 4-0. That's pretty much cup tie over. Everyone can go home, isn't it? Yeah, it was a great finish, to be fair. Um, really good. I'm sure we saw Lee Bell will have said to him, try and score a goal within the first 15 minutes, and they did just that. But yeah, of course, it was a massive kick in the gut. And even more frustrating, I think, later on, because when, when, we, made it, when we pulled it back to 4-2, their fans went silent, and they were twitchy. Um, they were beginning to just hang on a little bit um, and the goalkeeper went down and kind of took the momentum out of the game. But I think, you know, had we not, it's easy to say now, but had we not conceded that straight after half time, I still would have backed us to get back in it. And then you never know. Um, in the end, I think we just, we ran out of time and a bit of luck. But yeah, I mean, of all the things you want to do straight after the restart, that's bottom of the list. Trev, I'll come to you for the crew goals then. Um, it was Aaron Rowe and... Um... Elliot never scoring them. Again, I haven't seen them. They, the highlights don't seem to be available on the club's website. Uh, were they any good? Yeah, the first one was a great goal, in, in fact, but we, they should have had a penalty literally just before it. Um, the bloke got in the box and I thought he was foul, but the ref blew on. Ball came out to Colquette just inside our half and he hit a delightful ball out with his left foot out to Nevitt, who then bats the defender into the penalty area and killed a lovely shot into the side netting. It was a lovely goal. But to be fair, there should have been a penalty at the other end. Literally seconds, the ball got played out from what should have been the penalty. But Colquitt's ball, you know, we can talk about Colquitt all night, but it was a terrific ball out to Nevitt. And Nevitt does what he does. When he cuts him from, you know, the left-hand side and he goes in the box, he, he knows how to finish. I think the um the the crew coaching, if you like, is beginning to really pay off with him. Um he's 
10 times the player he was um, that we signed, even at the start of the season. You know, he was still on that run, wasn't he, of not scoring. And and once that first one went in, um, it, it feels like his beliefs come back. And um, and he was quite rightly in, in the, the side ahead of Courtney Baker-Richardson yesterday. But you're right, Trevor, you know, it, it the, the ball's good, but the run, um, and as soon as he cut in onto that right foot, you kind of know, don't you, what's coming. Um, and it was a superb finish. It really was. The substitutes made such a difference when they came on. Colquette and uh, Nevitt. And it just showed what we are missing with Colquette's injury, injury proneness, should we say. He, he was quality. And Nevitt is just playing with confidence, which he wasn't when he was on his run. Yeah, I'd echo them thoughts. So, uh, obviously, that is Crew's involvement in the FA Cup done for another year. Mark, thoughts, feelings? Um, It's not the end of the world, especially with the injuries that we've got. Um. You know, it was, funnily enough, I was saying to Trev, it, if we'd have got back to 4-4, I think I'd have sooner let them go down the other end and score than have a replay, because that would have been this coming Tuesday, and then you've got Barrow on the Friday. Um, we The squad can't cope with game after game after game, and it's busy enough. Um, it wasn't the glamorous draw that we would all have liked. It, as nice as a, a trip out to uh, Norwich would have been, I, I don't see us progressing past that, so... It's not the end of the world. We can do without the extra games and we can focus 100% now on the, on the league. Anything else, Trev? Graham, or shall I move on? The third goal was definitely a foul on Zach Williams. He, he got barged. You know, I've looked at it back. But other than that, I thought we gave it a good go. And, and as Mark said, if it had been 4-4 a minute to go, I'd ask Cooney to put another one in. I Personally, I would say, yes, it was a foul for the third goal. But also, I agree, there should have been a penalty to make it 5-0 to Bristol. So, it's a game we don't need. All right, let's move on to Saturday's game then. A little bit uh, easier ground for me uh, because I was able to watch it. Home to Atkinson Stanley. Um, a couple of changes with CBR and Cooney dropping to the bench. Graham, do you think this was a reaction from the Tuesday night's game? Yeah, uh, Nevis had to play. He was so good when he came on, he had to play. And to me, Courtney does not look fit. He's not looked like he's properly recovered from the injury at the end of last season. So they had to. And Cooney, I'm not a particular fan of his, even though when he came on yesterday, he looked uh, quite lively. He had to uh, be dropped from the team. So, yeah. Everything that he started, Lebel made some good decisions there to me. Trev, the game started off quite well. Uh, I'd say Aaron Rowe is probably, I'd describe it as no more than a pot shot, to be honest. But it's a pot shot that finds the back of the net. So uh, you can't complain, can you? Should the keeper save that one? I'd have been disappointed if that was uh, in the crew end. Yeah, it's a topic of conversation. Yeah, he hit it first time, didn't he? You know, it was a... Quick ball from Joe White and he, he hit it first time. So, you know, I think that caught the keeper off guard. But, yeah, he, should he save it? Should he not? But it hit the side netting, so that can go either way. And then, Mark, unfortunately, uh, it didn't really last very long. Six minutes gone and the game's already 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I've written in my match report, actually, that it, it, we started so well. Um, and, honestly, when we went 1-0 up, it, it was... a 
you know, that feeling in your brain of we could actually have a really heavy win today. This could be a really good afternoon. Um, and then it's, you know, it's an uncharacteristic mistake from Mickey, who's been superb all season. And unfortunately, you know, we just, it's a heavy touch to play a season on it. Um, skips into the box. I've seen a few people, because of the way that the rest of the game went, say that perhaps the goalkeeper should have cut the ball across the, the six-yard box out. I'm not sure about that, to be honest. Where me and Trev sit, I never thought for one minute he was getting anywhere near it. It was a great ball. He, he hit it with pace. And obviously, once it got to the back stick, the, the lad couldn't really miss. So, uh, you know, from my humble opinion, there's no blame attached to the goalkeeper for that one. No, I'd agree. And I feel like we might be talking about goalkeepers towards the end of this uh, this match's discussion. Um, rather, well, I mean, I was going to use the word hilariously. It depends on how um, how you feel at, at, about a draw instead of a win. Uh, Pete and Graham, none of you would have heard this because you were all at the game, but Pete and Graham were talking about how good Mickey had been this season, how great it was. It looked like he's going to be staying for next year as he was giving the ball away and Axel <laughs> and Stanley were tapping the ball in to make it 1-1. It was quite funny, but also at the same time, very frustrating uh, listening to that. Um, I I thought Crew did really well in the first half, Graham. Um, I thought they controlled the game quite well. You know, I sat through Grimsby last week and thought that was an awful performance. And I thought a big difference this week was having Joe White back in the middle. Yeah, we really miss him. The main piece of transfer business we need to do in the January is to extend his loan to the end of the year. He's a massive difference. After uh, going to Grimsby and suffering last Saturday, the difference he makes to the team is just immense. Uh, Regarding the first goal, though, yesterday, I thought the ball was drilled at Mickey back to him. So I understand his poor first touch. And I agree with what Mark says. I don't believe... This is one thing I don't blame the keeper for, for the cross. We'll come up to the rest of it later, but I don't blame him for that. But first half, we look controlled and look really good. That one thing that you just said there, Graham, feels very loaded. Uh, I'm sure we'll come to it later. Um, Trevor, I think we, I mean, we have talked about him before, but Joe White, you know, he wasn't really getting a look in when Taberner and Powell were in the first team, but... He has become really instrumental for us in that middle. And I thought he allowed Connor Thomas to play more of his natural game as well yesterday. Yeah, I think it's an hard role to play because there's only the two of them. And most games, are up, they're up against three. So I think in a three, strangely enough, and let Joe White go and do what he needs to do, he'd be even more effective because he can go, you know, past players. He's got a lovely touch. Yeah, he's instrumental. And, and Connor Thomas, to be fair, was a, played well yesterday because yeah. it's an hard job when there's only two of you and you're up against, you know, three players most of the time. Whether we go to a three, we, we're now offered being out. It might be an option going 4-3-3 three, three, and uh, give him the licence to roam. I think him and Tabner and Powell, a three, would be excellent. I'm excited, Trev, for when Tabs comes back because I think we'll have those two pushing on and Connor Thomas hopefully doing his his deep line role. Um, but you know he, he's superb at the minute, uh, Joe White. But you know with support around him that can with people that can do something similar. I mean, we'll we'll look like we did at the start of the season again. I think it's um, for me. Tabner can't come back soon enough. Uh, but he's had a setback, hasn't he? 
I, I believe people heard it on the radio. I, I'm not aware. Yeah. I, I thought that um, the schedule, as I understood it, was Chris Long should be back for Barrow and Tavana the week after. Um, but whether that's changed, I, I don't know. Yeah, my wife said she heard it on the radio um, in the car after some, whether it had been on the phone in or whatever. And I think Graham had mentioned on the radio that he'd had a little bit of a setback. So whether yeah, that's true or not, I don't know. Game. He did mention it during the game. Um, we do go 2-1 up. Mark, I'll stick with you. Um, again, Rio Adebisi, uh, another player we've talked about quite a lot this year is having a good season, but yet again, putting in a great ball. Yeah, he's... Um... I mean, I, I, what else can you say about him uh, from an attacking point of view? He's, he's been like a new signing this year. I still think he struggles a bit defensively, although he was better yesterday. Um, he's getting there. He's starting to look like a, a really good um, footballer that can go on and play higher. And his ability to cross will only add to that. And, and you know, it, it wasn't the only great cross he put in yesterday, but it was perfect given the circumstances. He hung it up. Um, Mickey had lots of time to, you know, see it come in. And, you know, he got up really well and he headed that ball into the net. You know, he thundered it in. And I think um, it was even sweeter because it was him because it, it, it made up for his earlier error. Um, and he headed it in like he wanted to make up for it as well. So um, great cross, great finish and um, back in front. And we looked at that point, we looked in full control. You see, Mickey, his starting position is... Everybody else is stood round the six-yard box, but Mickey starts his from another five, six yards back and actually runs as the cross coming in. So he was meeting it with, with momentum as well. So it was a terrific ball and a terrific header. I also believe Mickey was carrying an injury from when he slid into the advertising hoardings a few minutes before. And I believe that that's why he wasn't taking the throw-ins later on in the game. So his run, you look at it, it did start were far away from the uh, edge where he finished off and just ran unmarked. Great run. But I do believe he's carrying an injury after that. So more kudos to him. We discussed yeah, that, didn't we? Injury, we couldn't decide the, the reason whether we'd abandoned it because they got quite big centre-halves and, you know, we were perhaps not as dominant in the air as we could be. And Trev said maybe he's got a shoulder injury. So... Um, <clears throat> you've solved that conundrum for us, Graham. Thank you. Yeah, again, yeah. it was on the radio. It was a, a shoulder injury. That's what uh, we were told if we were listening to Radio Stoke or yeah. uh, Graham and Pete. Anyway, um, so having said that, I thought we did really well in the first half. Um, we sort of went in at half time, and I had this feeling that it was quite good. You know, you can't sniff at the fact that we were winning, um, but I wasn't over overjoyed with the performance, but. It turns out in hindsight, Graham, that the first half was the best football we were going to see that day. Yes, uh, it became quite scrappy the second half. And from what looking like two reasonable teams the first half, it looked like two bang average Division Two teams in the second half. I don't know what changed. We've all had the Lee Bell half-time magic team talk the last few weeks. Well, I don't know what changed suddenly. But they did look two poor teams, and it turned a very scrappy game. First off, it felt like we could we we got into their box time and time again, um, so much so that at half time I didn't feel like we were in any danger whatsoever. It was just a matter of uh, not doing anything stupid, and um, 
and hopefully going on to score some goals. But of course, you know, John Coleman's a wily old fox. He wasn't going to go in and, and just let them come out and play the same way. And they pushed us deeper and deeper, I think, in the second half. And, and we just couldn't deal with it. We couldn't get out. I mean, for the first sort of 20, 25 minutes, it felt like um, we were penned in into the, the almost the penalty area. And when we did try and get out, we were hit, forced to hit it long. Um, we'd stop trying to play through the thirds. And of course, you know, without Courtney, Nev's work rate's off the scale, but he, he's, he doesn't hold it up quite as well. So the ball just kept coming back to us. Um, and it was diff- it was a difficult watch and I'm sure it was difficult to play in. Is that um, the reason why we changed formation and actually seemed to go more attacking when we brought Courtney Baker Richardson on? Because the ball wasn't sticking. So you think Lee Bell's thinking was, let's get two up there and we'll maximise the ability to hold up a little bit more. Yes, I think so. Um, it was definitely to try and get us up the pitch. Um, he, he he changed, I think. I've, he, Pete said in his match report he went 4-2-4. It looked to me like he went 4-4-2 um, towards the end. Uh, but, it, you know, it it did. Uh, and But... But then, of course, you've got the, the red card that I'm sure you'll come on to. And then, obviously, the goals that go against completely change the game anyway. So, it, I think that was the idea, but it, it never quite materialised. I didn't think Tracy had any effect in the second half. Couldn't get the ball, couldn't go past his man. So, that, that was taking the wide players out of the game. And Aaron Rowe couldn't get the ball. So... With them not really getting on the ball enough, it was easy for them to get out, and they they put the then one of their centre forwards got injured, and the centre half went up front for them. Uh, I thought he was quite good at centre forward, to be fair to him, Hills. But yeah, we we couldn't get our wide players in the game, so it made it harder to retain the ball. I thought we went four four. I thought how I thought it looked like it was four four two as well. And I thought Shiloh looked quite lost where he was playing. He didn't seem to be able to understand his role in that new system. Yeah, so I'd I agree with that. I, that. That's what I came to. He, he was. It was an in-between role, wasn't it? In between being a winger and a midfield player. And I, like I say, I didn't think he had any effect on the game. I don't think he looks himself at the minute, and I can't quite put my finger on why. Um, he doesn't look as quick and he doesn't look like he believes and backs himself. If we go back to Tuesday against Bristol Rivers, Luke Offord played a superb through ball for him. And I think uh, a fully fit, fully confident shallow Tracy takes that on and, and goes in on goal. He never looked like he believed he could. Um, he ended up being forced out wide and, and the chance was gone. So not quite sure what it is, whether he's carrying a knock, whether he's not quite uh, fit. I, I Honestly, I don't know. Um, but I hope we, we can solve whatever it is and get him back to how he was playing before because, you know, him out wide is certainly early on in the season was one of our best assets. I thought Tuesday he got uh, played against one of the quicker defenders he's played against. We're playing a higher league and it was one of the quicker players and he hadn't got his advantage is his speed and he could not take that player on. On a foot race, they were equal standard. So he seemed to struggle for that reason on Tuesday to me. And then yesterday he just seemed to, whether he was lacking confidence or, as you say, an injury, he just wasn't himself. 
And when he changed the system, he was just completely out of the game. So I, was, I wasn't surprised when he got taken off. Is it a consequence as well of um, Chris Long's injury, maybe? Focus is all on Tracy instead of him being one of two outlets. He's now the outlet. Possibly. I mean, if you're an opposing manager, you're going to say um, he's a man to be watched. You're perhaps going to double up on him. Um, I mean, the, we went through a, a spell of swapping him as well, didn't we? So we put him up against a different fullback, but we seem to have abandoned that as well. I don't know. It, it, I mean, it's going to sound harsh, but he he felt like a passenger yesterday. I don't think he, he really influenced the game at all. He was just a... Um, a pair of legs and a shirt on the, the pitch, you know, he, um, I don't know, he just looked a little bit lost. Yeah, and you can go back to the wide players, but Aaron Rowe is more of a goal threat, strangely enough. You know, he, he might not be as quick as Shiloh, but he does threaten the goal. He, do, he You know, he does have shots. Shiloh doesn't seem to take as many shots as I think he should do. No, I agree. You, you know, his focus always seems to be to get to the byline, doesn't it? Um, and get the ball across. Whereas, like, you're quite right. Recently, Aaron Rose willing to come. I mean, the first goal yesterday was a perfect example of it. You don't shoot, you don't score. Don't you think also it helped uh, Aaron Rowe having Rio on the same side as him? I thought Shiloh, he plays better when he's with Rio behind him. I thought because he was playing the right side yesterday. Shiloh didn't have any help, less overlapping to assist him. So I thought that was didn't assist help him. And I thought Aaron having uh, Rio behind him, it did help because Rio was more likely to overlap and whoever's playing it right back. So it gives him another option. Yeah, yeah it's a fair point. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Can we move on to another player? Um, he was taken off um, in the second half. He's someone we've not really mentioned, but he's quietly sort of come into the first team, another academy player. I think probably we've not mentioned him over the last few weeks because he's been fairly solid. He's nothing spectacular yet, but he looks very good on the ball. Lewis Billington, what's our first impression of him, another academy player coming through? Where I was really impressed with Lewis was at Derby in the got replay. He made a poor mistake. Uh, in the first few minutes, and then he just played, he just like he forgot it and played so well after. And to have that mindset of somebody coming into the team takes a lot at his age. So I was really impressed with him, especially then. And since he's come into the team, he, he looks like he's been there. It's not if only a few games, he looks like he's been a seasoned player to me. I like him. Um... I agree. I think he, he he recovered superbly at Derby. It's weird, isn't it? In the blink of an eye, almost he's he's almost become a crucial part of the the squad because you know potentially, and it looks highly likely that we're we're going to lose Luke Offord for three games. Zach Williams is struggling with form and and getting back after his injury. And if you read the press, um, a Championship club have got eyes on one of our. Well, they've got more than eyes on him. I think. They've even spoke to one of our centre-halves. So, you know, all of a sudden, we're relying on a player that you perhaps in August wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have thought about at all. But he's done really well. Um, and he's, you know, he's a modern defender, isn't he? He, he can pretty much play all across the, the back four positions. He's got good feet as well for a big lad. You know, he, he, he does come out with the ball. Once or twice yesterday, he goes on a run. 
yeah, he's going to play a lot of games between now and the end of the season. So, good luck to him. And also, if he plays centre back, which due to the various things that are happening, he might well. I think having Mickey alongside him will only bring him on. Let's yeah. move on to um, the sending off then. 80 minutes. I'll be honest, Mark, I read your match report this morning. You sounded a bit ambiguous about whether you thought it was a red or not. For me, yeah, absolutely, it was a red. He's a long way from goal, but if he doesn't get fouled by Luke Offord, he's through on goal. Um, What did you think? I I, I see your point, but the ball ran through to their keeper. I don't think, uh, to our keeper, sorry, I don't think that... um... He might be through on goal, but I don't think he's ever getting to the football before Harvey, although you never know. Um, I'm still not sure. I mean, there was a genuine attempt, I think, to get to the ball. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think it's a clear-cut enough um, decision where if we appeal that they're not likely to say, no, the referee got that wrong, especially in real time, it it probably looks worse than it actually is. I'm still not sure, Stu. I've watched it a few times. I'm not certainly not as sure as you. Uh, but I, I don't for one minute think it's ever going to get overturned. I think when we watch it back, we won't even bother with the appeal. Um, just before Graham and Trevor jump in there, I'll just respond to those two things. Um, I don't think it matters where the ball goes. If you look at the amount of penalties that are given where the ball is going out for a goal kick, but be, you know, if an attacker's clattered by a defender or a goalkeeper, it's a penalty. Uh, and also intent doesn't really come into it in terms of like did he mean to foul him or not if it's a last man he's last man and the rules are the rules I think Trev Graham I could see Trev pulling a face at what I've just said no no I wasn't pulling a face on that Um, I would say it was an orange I mean if if we could have an orange card I think it was an orange card as Mark said I don't think there was any intent I just think he genuinely went for the ball because he was trying to recover three mistakes. It was three mistakes leading up to the tackle. I just That's think he generally went for the problem ball. with it. It's come from a crew attack and it's bad pass after bad pass after bad pass. Yeah, yeah I'd agree entirely there, Stu. So he's, he's, he's gone, he's genuinely gone to win the ball. Yeah, if they could have an orange card, they'd give an orange, I think. I haven't seen it from the other angle. The only angle I've seen it from is the one right underneath it, if you like, where the, the main camera is. Um, if if they've got a better angle from the other end, I don't know. But I'd agree with Mark. If it gets overturned, I'd be amazed. Yeah, as I said, I thought at the game he'd actually got the ball. Looking back at it now, he just didn't get it. Now, would I be disappointed if the opposition hadn't got a player sent off for that? Yes, I would. So, I think, unfortunately, it is a red card. And I don't think there's any point appealing it because that won't get overturned. But one point I would say, the ref, the game was all about him yesterday. It was a poor refereeing performance all round. And he was itching to do something like that. So once he'd given the foul, you knew it was coming, unfortunately. I mean, it's a minor criticism, but I think it's worth pointing out. I'm all for... um passing the ball back to the keeper or the centre-halves and starting again. You know, if a move breaks down, I've got no issue with that. And we were in an attacking position. And and it actually, the, the tackle resulted from us, I think, making either one or two passes or maybe even three passes backwards from attacking uh, from an attacking position. 
and we do it a little bit too much sometimes. It's a bit of a lazy option, and um, and we brought it on ourselves to that, you know, to an extent. Having seen it back, you, you can hear the shin pads going together. Yeah, you can. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's one of those. You know, you like you say, you'd be disappointed if he he hadn't been sent off. If it was you, and you're disappointed if he had. I just like say, I, I go back to what I thought. Thought it was an orange card. If it was. We could have had one. Um, Trevor, because of what happens next, does Luke Offord get away with quite a lot of the blame for yesterday? Because he does get sent off. We are 2-1 up and we don't end up winning the game. Um, the focus has definitely been elsewhere, but does it? should it be on him as well? No, because I think he generally went for the ball. Now, if he'd have deliberately gone to take the man out, yes. He, you know, you've left your mates in the trouble, but he had to go for the ball because... Dimitre would edit it back to him and he was going to he, he was trying to receive a pass as also get first to the ball I think he went for the ball no there's no I'm not saying it's his fault that we, we only came away with a point he's my Mr Reliable um, I just think he's super consistent and uh, if we lose him which we inevitably will for three games he's going to be a really really big miss I thought he was having such a good game until then, so I wouldn't blame him at all. It was one of his best games this season. And as Mark said, he's been so reliable and so good. I do think having Mickey alongside him has helped, but he's been such a consistent player this year. I don't blame him at all for that. He was actually playing right back at the time, wasn't he? Billerton had gone off. So he was playing yeah. right back and, it, and he'd come all the way over to cover because Mickey had got dragged out into the left-back spot where he was playing centre-half. So he, he was, you know, he'd come over a long way. I just think yeah. he went, generally went for the ball. So we've sort of danced around this for most of the podcast. Um, Accrington Stanley's equaliser. I feel like I've been relatively positive about Harvey Davis on the podcast this year. Uh, just because of the fact that we been, seem to spend most of our time talking about goalkeepers. But uh, I know people have disagreed with me because uh, people have told me they disagree with me. But we do need to do that rare thing, Mark, and have a little chat about Kralik's goalkeeper on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Um, look, I didn't want to be here again. and I really didn't. Um, I, I've, I've never been completely convinced about him. I think if you regular listeners and, and readers of my match reports, if we go back to pre-season, I thought there were a couple of goals in the home friendlies that, that worried me a little bit. But you put that down to nerves and, you know, he's just settling in. But really, if we're going to be completely honest, whilst I think he's a, a significantly uh, tidier goalkeeper than he was in August, and what I mean by that is, he, he, you know, he, he will catch things and, Stick the ball will stick more often than not. I I don't think he's um, a particularly good goalkeeper. My sort of, if I had to sum him up briefly, it would be if it's straight down his throat, you're all right. If it's anywhere else, it's pretty much a goal because he to me it doesn't ever feel like he bails his team out. You know the the team sort of um, make a mistake and and the opposition get in. And he, I can't think of many occasions where you've sort of, you've been up out your 
seats saying great save. I don't think there's ever been a, a, a point this season, as correct me if I'm wrong, where he's even been in contention for man of the match um, at any stage. So, you know, I just don't think he's a particularly good goalkeeper. And I think we're now in a situation where, you know, there's two really big decisions to be made. The first being, does he play again on Friday? And the second is, does he stay with the club beyond uh, the end of his initial loan period? Trev, go ahead. What do you feel about that? Uh, it's been the angriest I've been leaving the game for a long time. I won't have him as a goalkeeper. I think he's got to make, Lee Bowe's got to say, you're not starting on Friday for a start. And I'd send him back. If we don't have a goalkeeper, a young goalkeeper making mistakes, I'd have Tom Booth doing it. I just think the number of goals he's cost us, I believe we would have been at least level with Stockport with another goalkeeper in that team. Because you look at other goals, Wimbledon away, he cost at least one of the two goals. Grimsby, at least one, I would blame him for both goals, Grimsby away. There are numerous other occasions and there's only one time I thought, yes, you've played well, which was a double save. Might have been against Derby in the Cup. And I can't remember the exact game. But the rest of the time, his distribution's got better, but I just won't have him as a goalkeeper. That is the one place we need to really do something different. And he cannot start on Friday. He really cannot start on Friday. The reaction, if he's announced in the team, won't go down very well for a start. And you're not helping him by putting him in the team. And the defenders don't look comfortable with him. Sometimes they're looking to pass it back to him and turning around because they don't look confident with him. It's not just the goals. His handling's been so poor as well. You saw him yesterday coming out for crosses. He was flapping at the ball. There's no confidence in him as well. Graham, this is your second appearance on the podcast. I yeah. think that's your initiation into the goalkeeper chat. Done. Well done. <laughs> uh, you've passed. You've joined the rest of us. Uh, Trevor, do you disagree with anything Mark or Graham has said there? No, not really. The, the worry is if we're going to shove Tom Booth in, and I'm not saying he should because I think the goalkeeper's shot now. His confidence is gone, especially with some of the, you know, the booing and the laughing while the game was going on, which I'll get pelters for this. is out of order. You don't boo your own team while they're playing. At the end of the game, if that's what you want to do, fine. But while the, the team are actually playing, then I think that's a bit out of order. But yeah, he, his confidence has gone. So you're putting Tom Booth in. If Tom Booth gets injured on Friday, which he should be, he will be in goal, I would take it. He gets injured. He's back in for the next one. This is the problem with the six-month, you know, loan system that we've got, which I think is a, is useless to be honest. But so it is a conundrum. We've got two very young goalkeepers. Our experienced keeper sat on the bench in Scotland and hasn't played a minute, so he's not had enough football. So if you bring him back, you know, he's going to be as rusty as my gate. So we we have got a conundrum. So, but yeah. The goalkeeper's shot, he, his confidence is gone. So, Tom Boo, that's the start. I'd still rather have your rusty gate than a, a well-oiled Dave Richards, if I'm honest with you, Trevor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. I'm, I'm probably going to set myself up for pelters as well, Trev, but um, I'm used to that. 
first of all, people were saying a lot last night, well, Tom Booth can't do any worse. Well, he can. Um, it, I didn't go to Vale in the, the second game, but I watched it on uh, iFollow and, you know, he wasn't great. He was nervous. Um, so he can do worse. If Tom Booth goes in and has an absolute horror show, then what do you do then? You can't pop back to Harvey because then it just becomes like, it, it becomes ludicrous. Um, it becomes sort of, um, it, it's not possible. You can't play one and then play the other and then keep swapping and changing. I think if, if Lee Bell makes the choice to go with Tom Booth on Friday, then you're going to have to say to him, whatever happens tonight, you're going to be in for the foreseeable. And when we look for another loan in January, um, the bit that's going to set me up from, for Pelters, I think, is the abuse. I mean, if you're listening to this and you abused him, you're, a, you're an idiot. You know, first of all, I, I don't think I've ever known a player get abused by fans and suddenly start playing better. Um, I, I, it just doesn't happen. You need to remember as well that he's a part of a team and we've spent, I don't know how much time this season talking about togetherness, right? The rest of those players are his mates. Yeah, they all get on and, and they're hearing the home fans abusing him walking off and you're expecting those players to go out and run through brick walls for you again on Friday. You know, you're pissing them off as much as you're upsetting the goalkeeper. It's, there's no point in it whatsoever. You know, I heard yesterday or read when I got home that people waited by the tunnel to abuse him. I mean, have a word with yourself for crying out loud. There's no need for it. It's not going to achieve anything at all. Um, so, I, you know, I, I'm not really sure what what they're trying to achieve by abusing anybody. Um, yes, he, he was poor yesterday. Um, he's not been great, but while he's got a cruise shirt on, and I think you've got to to stick by him. Um, I, th I agree with Trev completely. You know, he looks shot. He, he's gone. His, his confidence is gone. Um, he's almost become unplayable on Friday. But um, to suddenly think that another 19-year-old goalkeeper with less experience is going to come in and... and Again, quote unquote, can't do any worse. It is hopeful. Um, I, I don't know what you guys think about that. Whether I get, a, you know, smashed for that, I don't know. But that's just how I feel. I went to the second Vale game, and Tom Booth did have a really poor game, <clears throat> really, really poor game. But I still think he has to come in and be given a run of games to be told you will be run to the end of start of January you will be our goalkeeper to give him that confidence I think where I sit on it and this is a very sort of balanced view that I wouldn't have given if we'd have recorded Saturday evening after the game rather than Sunday morning when I've had a whole evening to sort of sleep on it is it's a point you've made before Mark he's a kid he's come on loan um but the thing is that we are not here just to service his needs. We're not here just to service Liverpool's needs on getting their young goalkeeper at minutes. He's here to service our needs as well. And this season, our needs are a goalkeeper that can put in promotion winning form because that's what we are going for. You know, it's not a fluke. We're 21 games into this season. We're still in the playoff places by quite a considerable margin. He's not, in any point, I don't think, going back to what you guys have just said, put in promotion-winning form as a goalkeeper uh, at any stage, really. Maybe Harrogate, maybe. Um, and I think that's where we are. I think 
if I was Lee Bell, and I know I'm not, uh, I would be looking at putting him in for, I, I probably disagree with you, Graham. I'd say probably keep him in for the rest of the loan spell that we've got and then get someone else in as quickly as we can uh, and hope we find another James Beadle in January. Well, what I will say is, do you, uh, as a three, do you all trust Lee Bell as a, as a crew manager? Yep. Completely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, so no. it, it's fair to assume, because the club are desperate for promotion and so is Lee Bell, so it would be safe to assume that if he thought Tom Booth was a better goalkeeper, he would have put him in before now because it's not like yesterday's the first iffy goal he's let in. You know, I thought he should have saved the second against Bristol off the corner. So that worries me because I don't. I assume, and again, I'm not Lee Bell, that the management don't think that Tom Booth's better than him. Um, and that's just a little bit of a concern. You might be right, Mark, because normally you give your understudy the FA Cup games and he didn't do that did he no so you might be right you might be right on that that maybe he doesn't think he's ready or, or he's up to it or whatever yeah whatever decision Lee Bell makes is down to Lee Bell and he's the manager of our club and I'll back him while he's the manager of the club well, well if as, as far as possible anyway and I always back any player whether they play in red and, or yellow as a goalkeeper while he's playing for that team in a game, I back him. At the end of the game, I might say, whatever. You know, the only time I've ever booed was at Port Vale, at Steve Davis, after that woeful performance um, in a relegation season. He, he came out and said we're in a better position than we were when I take over. That, 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 that's the first time I've really I've ever did it. I've been frustrated, like as Graham said, you go home angry thinking, God, we should have done better or he should have done better in this and that. But while I'm at the game, I wouldn't even contemplate it. You know, we, we can sit together and say, should have done better there, but I wouldn't go on laughing. Well, some people are actually laughing. And I heard Pete Moore say that that caused the third goal yesterday. Well, maybe it did, maybe it didn't, I don't know. But going back to the, the, the actual goals, I've, I've looked back again. The first, the, the second one, when the lad shoots, Rio puts his head out to edit and misses it completely, unless it flicks on and goes off. Bounces just in front of him, should save it, no doubt about it. The third goal, the lad stood offside, but I don't know exactly where Rio's position was because once the ball's in the net, Rio suddenly appears. So whether Rio was playing him onside, I'm not sure. But I think he, you're right there. Uh, Trev, I think from my angle, watching on TV, it looked offside and then you sort of see Rio pop up into the corner of the screen looking sheepish and with half a hand up in the air. I think Rio's playing him on. Well, that, that might be right. That's what I was thinking, Stu, because otherwise he was clearly offside. And once but the, the keeper goes down and it hits him and the lad's there straight away. It wasn't like he's, he spilled it six yards and that to go and get it. But yeah, it was a mistake, two mistakes. He'd gone by then. He, once the, the, the crowd had got onto him, he'd gone. So if they'd have had another shot, they'd have probably scored, to be perfectly honest. He wouldn't have saved anything. So he'd gone. He, you could see him walking off. He, he, his head was gone. And I think that contributed to Nevitt scoring because he's one of his mates. And I think he was that angry that he, he'd heard the crowd going at him. And also there team was celebrating the way they did in front of crew fans 
Um, my, my my wife was actually shouting at them. She was she's quite mild, but she was giving them all sorts when they were stood in front putting the tongues out. So anyway, um, but I think that did con- contribute to it. Let's go on to that then. Um, <laughs> you know, we've been, we've been talking about the goalkeeper for a little while. Um, Mark, I'm going to ask you, 3-2 down after being 2-1 up, must have been some feelings sat in the stadium when uh, Nevitt scored that goal. Oh, I knew you were going to do this. You've thrown me under the buzz, haven't you? Oh, cheers, Stu. I don't know, because I was halfway to my car. I was storming up Gresty Road. I was absolutely effing fuming. Um, and just as I turned the corner... I had a big cheer. Um, and as you well know, Stuart, I put in the podcast chat group, have we scored because I've left, so I missed it. Um, I've seen it back on the telly. It's an unbelievable finish, um, and I'm gutted that I missed it. But, yeah, I was um, I was incensed. I was absolutely fuming. You know, I don't think, given their injury crisis as well, I don't think there would have been a better chance to beat a team at home. And, and at that point, I felt like we just chucked the game away. But thank you for reminding me and everybody else. <laughs> oh, I didn't remind everyone else. I let them know. <laughs> uh, Graham, were you in the stadium when the third one went in? Oh, yes. Uh, I was jumping over seats, running down to celebrate in front of the Accrington Stanley bench at the time. So, yes, I was definitely there. Uh, it was a great finish. Great finish. Just shows the character of the team. So it was a brilliant, but to me, we still threw two points away, but brilliant to get another point back. Great finish. You you won't see a better finish than that around. It's weird. I can sort of say it was a never goal and people will know what that means. It's one touch to get it out of his feet and then second touch hit it right or left. That seems to be the only way you can score goals. Just absolute hammering it into the far corner. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, he, he does that a lot, but he, he can also get a six-yard oh, one. It wasn't meant as a negative, Trev. It's just sort of that's what, if someone said a never goal, that's what it seems to me is that's what the goal is going to be. Yeah, it, it was, we'll go back to the goalkeeper. It was a, a long ball, a flick on, and he was so angry. You could see it. Once he scored the goal, it was more built up frustration than anything else. But no keeper saves that. I'm sorry, you know. We can go on about it. No one is going to save that shot. I want to just come back quickly to the keeper because it's something that you said, Trevor, and I think it's important. Um, he'd gone by the time the third went in. He got, he'd gone. If you're anybody from Barrow, whichever goalkeeper takes the field on Friday, you're saying test him as often as you can. Just shoot. Um, I think we've got to be ready for that. I, I think if, if Harvey Davis goes out, obviously they'll want to pepper his goal and test his confidence, and they'll be acutely aware that if it isn't him, it's a, a young kid that's playing. So, um, again, I come back to this abuse. We just need to be really careful. Um, and, again, you're not just upsetting the goalkeeper, you're upsetting his teammates, so stop it. Yeah, well, that's what you could see Accrington did after the second goal went in. They were just shooting from distance. Yeah. They were just trying to look because they could see he would go- he is gone by that stage. They weren't trying to work it round. They were just hitting as many shots at him as he could. I go, I go back to a game a long time ago where we played Coventry at home. And um, our goalkeeper that day got hauled off, Mr. Banco, by Dario. Well, we lost six, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, and he, he hauled him off. Well, there wasn't time to haul Harvey Davies off. Um, but 
I would imagine if that had been 20 minutes earlier, I think Lee Bell had substituted him for his own good. Um, but we couldn't do that yesterday. There wasn't enough time. But I looked at the stats and we had three shots on goal yesterday and scored all three on target. We had, we had, we had six off target, but we had three and we scored with every one. So we can go on about all goalkeepers, but their goalkeeper never saved a shot on target. If you've read my match report, I have, um, which I hope you have. Thanks, I have. thanks, Jeff. <laughs> um, I put at the end as a case to be made for both. Is it two points lost? And I hear what you say, Graham, or is it a point gained? And there is a case for both. I think that the the most crucial aspect of it is, um the fact that we we haven't lost two league games on the trot. We managed to save it from that happening. So we haven't started, a, a, in inverted commas, a run, a losing run. Um, and you've got to think that psychologically, as the players left the pitch, the crew players are going to feel more positive, I think, than Accrington. Accrington were all on the knees and on their arse. And now I know that doesn't affect the rest of the, the, um, the league, but it certainly gave crew a lift. I think if they'd walked off having lost 3-2 in no circumstances, knowing that the teammate had been abused by the fans, and then we're expecting him to come out and play in front of a packed-out Bresti Road on Friday, would have been um, more difficult than perhaps it will be. So I think that goal will will prove to be much more important than people might think. I don't mm. know what you guys think. And Ryan Dicker, I, I, I'd never seen him as animated as he was when we scored the goal. Because Coleman had been quite calm all game, and he'd give it the big one when they got their third. Ryan Dicker went, he, he was, I've never seen him as, he, he really gave fist pumping and everything. So it meant a lot. We've lost one game at home all season in the league. That that's That'll carry us a long way. Whatever we think, we're, we're coming to the halfway stage now and we've lost one home game. And yesterday said to me that the team want to win. And they didn't, obviously, but the other teams, when that third had gone in, that'd have been it. They wouldn't have even yeah. attempted it. But no, they kept going and credit all credit to them. But yeah, it's Barrow Barrow it, there's more emphasis on the Barrow game now because of that. How are they going to react? And you're quite right, Mark. I thought the uh, eighty five minutes we had a free kick in the corner. And we tried to keep it in the corner rather than send it in and go for a goal. I thought that was a mistake. We should have gone for that there. And we sort of like accepted we weren't going to score and we were accepting 2-1. Now, possibly if we'd gone and attacked and gone for it, we might not have had the mistakes that the goalkeeper had made and everything else that went on. Actually, on that point, Graham... Um, something else that we've not touched on was Ryan Cooney's um, fresh legs and, and determination to keep that ball in on in front of the dugouts and get us on a counter. Joe White, it looked to me like all he had to do was just roll the ball across to Aaron Rowe and it, it's 3-2 to crew. Um, as I put in my match report, can you blame Joe White for trying on his own? He's playing that well. That, no, you probably can't, but it was a bad choice in the end because he was nowhere near. He, he was quite significantly over the bar. So, And again, 3-2 at that point, the game's completely different. Completely yeah. agree. Yeah, it was 
to be fair to Ryan Cooney when he's come on, he was excellent. Yeah, yeah, he, he was. I, I, I think he, he would start for me on Friday because I think if Offord's out, he plays Billington as the three. He'll go yeah. Billington, Dimitreo and O'Reardon. Who, by the way, not knocking Connor, but that was his worst performance for a while. Yeah, Connor, yeah. It, yeah, I didn't think he was... He's, we'll go back to thing. I don't think his head was right. I think the talk of a move being imminent has maybe got to him a little bit. I think uh, Cooney has been quite poor in the crew shirt. Well, I was really impressed with him yesterday when he came on. I think that's the best. I know it was only 10, 15 minutes, but that's the best he's played in a crew shirt yesterday, I thought. Okay, uh, let's move on to the game coming up against Barrow on Friday night. But first, we'll hear from the women's team who were at home to West Didsbury and Chorlton on Sunday for their final game of 2023. Matt, last game of 2023, finishing off with a win. How are you feeling? Over the moon. Um, girls were brilliant today. Um, played some super football. Uh, as we as we spoke last week, we said that they were much more direct than we would have liked to have been. wasn't the game plan, uh, but it worked last week, and we felt like that wasn't the game plan today. West Kids are brilliant in the air and they're very physical. So if we wanted to play that game today, we wouldn't have been successful. I felt like we took on board everything we worked on in training. The, the play through the thirds was really good at times. We were finding lots of space. Um, just probably not clinical enough in and around the final third, which meant that the game finished nervy. And... Um, it, it, it almost it potentially was another game that could have ebbed away and finished in a draw, which has happened too many times this year. But overall, they were brilliant. The girls were brilliant. As you said, it was frustrating. We didn't take chances. Is that is that something you work on, or is it just a game to game issue? No, it's something we work on. It's not it's not something that's just jumped out and shocked us today. We know that we're not clinical enough in front of goal, and uh, we have theories why that might be. There's players in key areas that are low on confidence, and they've come to us, and it's our job to support that. Um, they've come to us because their confidence has been damaged at, at other clubs. Um, it's due to the fact young players, you know, at one point today we've got two 16-year-olds in the final third. So we know they've got bags and bags of talent, but sometimes, you know, experience is key. We're getting in the areas, we're causing problems, uh, and it's it's just not quite going in the back of the net. So we, we've, we've worked on it far more in training recently, uh, and we'll keep working on it. As you said, we're getting into those areas. The football was good today and the team's really starting to grow. Are, are you pleased with what you're seeing? Definitely. Um, obviously, we're happy with the, the clean sheet. Uh, great to see Eva Rose, our first ETC graduate, break into the first team. She got she got some minutes, that's amazing. Um, really happy with what we're seeing. We've had a real shift in terms of different the way we, we play this season. We've had more options is probably the best way I can say it. I feel like we were very one-dimensional last year due to personnel and what we could do. This year we've got that many options, you know, it might not be a change of shape, but certainly a change of game plans, philosophies in certain games. And that's allowed us to tailor our approach to different opponents and allowed us to be far more competitive. Every game this year we've been competitive. You mentioned there, Eva Rose Tankard, she made a debut today. First player from the ETC to make the first team squad. Is that something that you feel happy about and is it something you want to see more of in the future? Definitely. Uh, we've got a great history of producing young talent here and giving them an opportunity to play, both the men's side and, and the female side. You know, a lot of, we, of what we do here mirrors uh, what, the, what the blokes do up the road and that's because that's our, our club philosophy, that's what we do. Um, but our, our, our youth setup was under a sort of different sort of 
uh, identity before getting the license for the FA Girls Emerging Talent Centre was a game changer for us. The talent coming through the door was is is immense, um, and she's one of many that has been given an op- that will be given an opportunity. Um, the future is really really bright, and I know that's me just sound like I'm putting a positive slant on it, but we're so excited about. Um, at supporting these girls' development and, and you know just like the men's side of the road once they've got that experience they, they probably will some players will go on to bigger and better things and finally 2023 has been a big year for the club the fan base has grown how much do the fans mean to you? everything uh, I know that sounds we're going to say that but when we moved from the Cumberland the only concern everything worked for us the only concern was would the, the fan base that was starting to grow come with us and it's gone to another level it's strengthened um, there's lots of reasons behind that. We'll always be supported by our loved ones, partners, husbands, wives, children, etc. But the, the core supporters that, you know, in the nicest possible way, they don't have to be here, they choose to be here. The stories we hear, the conversations we hear, the dynamic of friends on the sidelines has made us really appreciate what effect we have on the supporters, being able to come down and watch the game, and, and that's amazing. Uh, and I hope they know what effect they have on us as people. Uh, it's really inspiring. The, the efforts that Sean uh, has done to, to drum up the support and get them all over the place. Um, far too many names to mention. Yourself, you and uh, Carl, rain, you know, rain or shine. It's you're everywhere and, and you've been magnificent for us. The support from the podcast. Charles Grant was down again today, um, really supporting. And we, it's never been a more positive environment than it has now. Um, I'm really excited for 2024. Best of luck for 2024, Matt. Cheers, mate. The only game this current week then is Barrow. It's on Friday night. I'm sure you're aware there's been a lot of buzz about it. Tickets are a tenner. Um, you three all have season tickets, I believe. So I think you'll all be there regardless. But are you looking forward to seeing a full Gresty Road end and a hopefully as full as possible Gresty Road? Yes. Um, we've been pushing it as the Rare Women Association. We've been leaflet dropping. They're all around the place. We've we've done extra. I did a little bit on Radio Stoke the other day for it. Yeah, it, it's something that we've got to back because if we don't and, and people don't go, the club are going to say, well, do not matter what we charge, people don't come. So I think it's important that it's £10. All right, it's the last Friday before Christmas. I think most people have had the parties by then. I think this weekend was the, the party season. Get yourself there. Take your kids. There's no school the next day. Get a couple of kids down with you. I I know that my me, me sister's going. She, she hasn't been for a while. So there is an incentive. Cause, because what the club will say, and I, I'm going to say it now, if we don't attend when it's only £10, the £27 argument goes out the window for them. Um. Yeah, I mean, I echo all of that. And when you've done and said all... You look past the fact that it's Barrow because that's completely disrespectful. All right, they haven't got a massive fan base. They won't sell their way out, uh, away and out like Stockport would or Mansfield would. But they're second in the league and they're second in the league for a reason. I keep saying that Crew are where they are on merit at this stage. So are Barrow. You know, it's a big game and we are three points off second place. Um, so we can go level with them on points. It's a massive game. Um, and as again going back to what I wrote last night, you know. 2023 under Lee Bell has been really enjoyable. It's been exciting. We've had comebacks. We've scored a ridiculous amount of goals. Um, 
I think the players deserve it, and Lee Bell certainly deserves it. You know, he's given us a good year as a crew manager. It's the last one of the year, so it's bound to be exciting because it always is just at the minute. So, yeah, if you've not got a ticket, go and get one and um, and get yourselves down and, and get behind the lads, and hopefully, touch wood, we can, uh, we can get another home win. I agree, Mark. It's been such a good season this year. So enjoyable to go to games. Excitement, good and bad. But it's been so much, and it's the way to engage to new fans. If we get a few extra fans that come regularly from it, it's an achievement. There's nothing like a game under the lights before Christmas against another good team that an exciting game. It's the only way we can move forwards. Yeah, I'd echo all that. I, I'm fully aware that I'm about to tell everyone to go if they can. I've not been to a home game for a year and a bit now because of travel, distance, etc. But, I mean, it really is. If you listen to those articles, or sorry, if you read those articles that we have every so often about what crew means to me, most of them start with, I was taken by my dad or my gran or my uncle or my aunt or my mum or whatever. And a lot of the time, I don't think it is a coincidence that a lot of the time crew win or crew are having a good season or crew are playing good football. And there's something about the magic of seeing that team in red doing well, scoring goals and just being captivated by it all. You know, we're all not children anymore. Apologies to the three of us on this <laughs> podcast, but that's the truth. Uh, but we've all we've all been at our first crew game and there's been something about that. So if you do know someone who has some children and they're young and impressionable and need a football team to support, this is the game to take them to, to, to show them what Corralix is all about. I think there's a positive and a negative with Barrow because I think the positive is it should be a good game. I think the negative is they're doing really well. They'll possibly beat us. Um, but yeah, really get down there um, and really sort of, as Trevor says, if we don't do this, then that £27 argument goes out the window. Um, if we can't fill it on £10, then they're not going to do it again. But Barrow are doing quite well, Trevor. Uh, it will be a good game. There is a commanding centre-back who is scoring goals that's going to be playing in this game. Uh, he wears the number five. I'm talking, of course, George Ray. Yeah. He likes to joke, George. If you ever see the Barrow <laughs> website, he has his weekly um, joke on. I think he, he he was always capable, but he always had a mistake in him. And that's why he's level his League Two. And he's played most of his career at League Two. I wouldn't be surprised if he scores to be perfectly honest. But if you look at the Barrow team, it never changes. They're, they're a consistent... Maybe they've been fortunate with injuries, I'm not sure. But it very rarely changes. And the one thing they don't do is concede goals. You know, I think, what is it, 16 they've conceded? 20? That, that's a good... Uh, at this level, That's that'll get you promoted. You If you're not conceding goals at this level, because you'll win more games than you lose... Because it's the nature of the beast. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a tough game. Hopefully, Chris Lung somewhere near on the bench or whatever to give us another goal threat. Yeah, I'm really looking for it for, for numerous reasons. You know, it's like I say, just before Christmas sets you up for the festivities. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a good game. They're a decent team. You're not second in the league by being... Uh, you know, moderate. They're, they're finishing the top six, seven, definitely. 
Just looking now, Trev, one in 12 they've lost, and that was in the FA Cup to Maidstone. Um, and they've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight wins before that. And they whacked Swindon yesterday at Swindon 3 0. Um, but I agree, you know, and, and with it being Barrow, it's bound to be a wheelie good game. Oh, oh no. <laughs> no. He went there. Happy Christmas, everybody. <laughs> there's, your, there's your Christmas cracker joke. You look disgusted. Well, I was just thinking before, this is appearance number 49 for you, Mark, on the pod. It's a shame you never reached 50, isn't it? Um, right, let's get some score predictions. Trev, what's the score going to be? 2-2. Two, two. Uh, Graham? 1-0. To crew? Yes. Lovely. And Mark? 3-2 crew. Okay, good stuff. Right, I spoke to Stuart to get the Barrow perspective on their season so far. Hi, Stuart. Welcome back to the podcast. Good morning. Thanks for having me on again. Not a problem. Um, So I think the first place to start would be, uh, and I've done my research here, Barrow went out of the Football League in 1971-72, returned in 2020. Um, so my first question, nice and simple, is this the best time it's ever had for you as a Barrow fan? Uh, it is, yeah. Uh, I mean, the squad we've got now, the squad depth we've got now, certainly I've never known us have a, a better squad than we have now. Um, I've been following Barrow now for 23 years. Uh, so obviously a lot of that was in non-league football and not even in the National League of non-league. You know, it was down in the Unibond as it was now, what's the Evo stick, that sort of level. So, you know, I've seen it all in them them sort of years. And yeah, when you look now and look where we are in the league, I mean, it, it still seems unbelievable, to be honest, even compared to the first two seasons in the Football League it was such a struggle. Both times it looked like we were gone at various points. We were going straight back down which especially that first year when fans couldn't go in with COVID would have been devastating, you know, never to, perhaps never to see us again in the Football League because realistically, you know, that's where we probably would have been. You know, we did so well to go up that season. Uh, but yeah, when you look now, I mean, yesterday, you know, we had Robbie Gotts on the bench, we had Dean Campbell on the bench. I would think certainly at least one of them would be starting for most teams in the league. So that just shows now it's not just the best Barra team we've ever had, it's it's more it's the best Barra squad we've ever had. And obviously, as you'll know yourself, League Two, it, it's so relentless playing Saturday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Christmas period, Friday, Monday, Friday, Monday, whatever it is. You know, you, that squad depth is the thing that's really proven key for us this season. OK, so, I mean, if, if the squad is so important, my next question would be then, how important is Pete Wilde in all of this? Uh, massive. I, I, obviously, people will say I'm biased, but I think he's the best manager in the league. You know, I just, since he's come, and obviously he himself will always say it's his staff as well, you know, and various other things, which it is, you know, he's obviously got a great staff there working with him, but he, he's obviously doing well for us on the pitch. You know, everyone can see that, but probably what people don't realise as well is he's bought into the town. You know, a lot of people sort of knock us because we don't train in Barrow, we train in Manchester. But, you know, for example, one day this week, he was up with the club mascot taking presents around to Furnace General Hospital to the kids and the wards, you know, for Christmas, which is a thing a lot of clubs do, but he doesn't have to do it, you know. It's just one of them things that people don't see, you know, outside Barrow, what, what he's doing, you know, when they come up on their 
some home games. We uh, we stay over on a Friday night sometimes before home games, and you know some of the players got into the schools, do talks, that sort of thing. And he does, he, he really does have a bond with the fans. You know, he, he, we we've always had, you know, we've had successful managers in the past. They've done a good job, but the, the he has really built, uh, bought into the town. You know, he, he is. I mean, fans absolutely love him, and you know, even now other clubs are starting to realise. You know, I have a friend who's a Wrexham fan. He always describes him as the second best manager in the league. You know, it's uh, obviously the worry is that other clubs taking notice <laughs> means when jobs pop up uh, that you're always a bit worried that he's going to go. But he's on again when he when he uh, came last year. What was it? It was only about November last year. I think the board realised what they had and they signed him to a five-year contract. Which everyone in League Two, other fans are saying, "Whoa, five-year contract! You know what are you doing? That's that's absolute madness financially." And I mean, don't get me wrong; even Barrow fans are thinking, "Oh, five years—that's a lot of payout if we need to sack him." But yeah, I think the board knew what he want, and uh, we also brought in last year as well a sporting director, Ian Wood. He's made a massive difference, absolutely massive difference, because the board who took over—you know—the the local fantastic jobs themselves but you know the local fans they haven't really got the football knowledge and Ian Wood's the one who's linking now between the board between Wild you know what players want he's made sure that the training ground's been sorted this year so there's not messing about last year we, we used like two or three different training grounds and things like that you know he's been probably not obviously Wild's doing a fantastic job but Wood himself has been such a key part of that you know he's probably been as good a signing as Pete Wild has been you know, let's go back to something there, Stuart. I wasn't aware Barrow trained in Manchester. Is that a, yeah. a player recruitment thing? Is it easier to sell the club if you say most of your week is spent in Manchester rather than the south of the Lake District? It's, it is. The other thing is, as well, to be honest, in Barrow, there isn't the facilities. Um, you know, we're at, we actually train now at FC United's uh, facilities, which is obviously, you know, it was brand new in 2010 or whatever it was. So, you know, you've got the artificial pitch, you've got a grass pitch, there's the gym there. Whereas in Barrow, it, actually at the moment, the artificial pitch is shut in Barrow because uh, it was in bad conditions, kids were breaking in, messing about. So even if you use somewhere local like that. So it's, it, and it, it, to be honest, it's not something new. It's it's probably been stepped up and made more of a deal of because in the football league, you need the better facilities. But I mean, in the past, We've, we've had training, you know, in other places purely for that player recruitment because obviously when you're in non-league and you're part-time, say you're training Tuesday and Thursday, you're saying to players, right, you're finishing work at five o'clock on a Tuesday, you've got to get to Barrow. Obviously, from the motorway itself to Barrow, it's an hour, you know, so it, it has, it, it's been something that we have done in the past, um, even going back years and years and years, you know, to the 90s, we've had like, a train. We had a lot of players from the northeast once, so we had a training club in the northeast where they train there and things like that. It is, it is just one there. And I mean, for me personally, I have no problem with it. Uh, a lot of people, you know, slag us off and say, "Oh, it's not really Barrow because you don't train in Barrow." But if the facilities aren't there, and obviously when you look at our recruitment this season, you know it's working. So it's uh, yeah, it, it's one of them, and it seems to work. So I think it will continue. Unless when the board wins the Euro Millions and uh, builds a new training facility in Barrow, I would say it'll just continue like that, you know, as as long as it will. All right, let's move on to the players then. You've mentioned already uh, the recruitment went really well and it's the best squad you've ever seen. Uh, I'm going to ask you two questions here, Stuart. Who should we look out for on Friday night and how is George Ray getting on? 
well, obviously I haven't seen George Ray's full career, but everyone keeps telling me he's having a season of his life, which I wouldn't disagree with on what I've seen. He's uh, He's been absolutely colossal this season. To be quite honest, myself and other Barra fans, um, we had a loan defender last season, Sam McCollins, on loan from Chelsea. He got released and we were sort of hoping we might get in. We didn't. He's time for St. Johnson. And uh, so it looked like it would it would end up that George Ray would be first choice this season. And we were sort of thinking, well, from what we'd seen last year, we weren't so sure. But he's been absolutely immense. We play three at the back. So Canavan's sort of on the left. We've signed James Chester this season. Obviously, his experience and everything since he's come back in has been unbelievable. He plays on the right of the back three. George Ray is right through the middle of the, black, the uh, back three. You know, and I mean, his main job is to win headers, you know, because obviously, as you'll know himself, the size of the man, uh, he, he comes in, he wins the ball, wins his headers. And he's also, this season, he's been a threat going forward as well. Uh, he's scored a few goals off set pieces and he probably should have scored a few more, to be honest. But yeah, like I say, he keeps getting described as having the season of his, of his life, which obviously I've seen his whole career. So, you, you know, you can't say for sure, but he is absolutely him and Niall Canavan, absolutely unbelievable. And obviously, the worry there is James Chester's contract was only till January. If we can sign him on again and keep them three together as that pace, that'll be fantastic. Uh, in terms of players to watch out for, it's literally look <laughs> at our top scorers. The other big thing this season is last season we had two players who scored. Josh Gordon scored or Ben Whitfield scored. And if they didn't, we didn't score. This season, we look through the top scorers. The goals are coming from everywhere. I mean, I think now we have settled on the first choice uh, strike force of Aqua and Telford. But even they haven't got like loads of goals. It's not like they're scoring. I mean, even yesterday, uh, Keane Spence scored, who's probably a more defensive-minded midfielder, perhaps. Sam Foley scored, who wouldn't start most weeks, but usually comes on, does well when he comes on. And then James Chester himself scored yesterday. So you've got three goals there yesterday, not from forwards. Uh, we play sort of like a 3-5-2 system. So it just depends which midfielders are in there. But I do think the strength we have this season is probably that midfield because, as I was saying earlier, when Robbie Gotts and Dean Campbell aren't playing yesterday, it will probably start for most teams. You know, that midfield, we've got five good midfielders there and that probably is the strength because if you're struggling a bit, you know, yesterday, for example, you look to the bench and you've got Robbie Gotts and Dean Campbell to come on. So that that's probably our our strongest strength, really, is is the midfield, I would say, this season. Okay, Stuart, I've got one final question. Obviously, it's Friday night. Uh, the crew club has made a big deal about making as many, uh, getting as many fans as possible. So it should be a, a good crowd. What's the score going to be when uh, the two teams play? Uh, well, crew seem to score lots of goals and concede lots of goals. Barrow have been scoring lots of goals away from home. Uh, I would absolutely snap your hand off now for a draw. Uh, and I will go for a 2-2 draw. Stuart, thank you so much for your time. Okay, just uh, one thing to finish off today. Um, I feel like we, as a group, do quite a lot for crew supporters, the podcast, the website, uh, Neil's game, that's got 30-odd people playing. Uh, with the second half this season, though, um, Tim's had an idea for something else, uh, a last-man-standing competition. What we essentially want to do is we want to make this a paid competition where you'll pay an entrance fee and then we'll split the money. Depending on how many people we get taking part is how much and where the money is going to go. Uh, we'll give some money to the winner of the last man standing competition. We're also wanting to raise a bit of money for the women's team. Um, but also, if we have lots of people taking part, we're going to use a third. Hopefully we'll get to that point. 
to use for the podcast to sponsor a player for the 24-25 season. We're going to start it the weekend after the third round of the FA Cup. So there's a bit of a, well, there's a bit of time to get ready, but there's a full fixture list then to play with. If you don't know what last man standing is, essentially, you need to tell us one club, and we're going to do it in League Two because we're all League Two experts this season. Uh, one club that is going to win. If they win, you're through to the next round. If they lose or if they draw, you are out. Uh, and it will go on until we have a last man standing. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a little Twitter poll, maybe a Facebook poll as well, asking people if they think that's a good idea later on in the week. And if there is enough support, then we'll try and get it going up and running and sort out payment, etc. and how it's going to run. Um, I hope that makes sense, Mark. Trevor, Graham, did that make sense to you if you were listening in? Yes. yes. Okay, good stuff. I've I think played it before, good. actually, and it's, uh, it is. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. And I have won one of those once. Oh, there you go. Trevor's the man to beat. Mark said he played it. Trevor said he won it. So uh, there we go. I've played it and not got past the first round. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Um, So, yeah, that's hopefully what we're going to do. Like I say, we are going to try and run it as a paid competition, whereas Neil's is just a bit of fun. We did get a shirt from the club for that last year. We are looking at putting some money back into the women's team and hopefully back into the men's team as well, if enough people take part. But for now, Mark, Trevor and Graham, I think that will do us. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks thank for having me back on. Thank you and get there Friday night. Absolutely. Thank you as ever for listening. We will be back next week. Uh, not sure when yet. Maybe Christmas Eve, maybe Christmas Day. We'll see what producer Dave's schedule looks like. Uh, until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.